0: Chapter 9 of Volume 3 of The Mysterious Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim D. The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne. Translated by William Henry Giles Kingston. Volume 3, Chapter 9 the convalescence of the young invalid was regularly progressing, only one thing was now to be desired that his state would allow him to be brought to granite house. However well built and supplied the corral house was, it could not be so comfortable as the healthy granite dwelling. Besides, it did not offer the same security and its tenants, notwithstanding their watchfulness, were here always in fear of some shot from the convicts there on the contrary in the middle of that impregnable and inaccessible cliff they would have nothing to fear and any attack on their persons would certainly fail they therefore waited impatiently for the moment when herbert might be moved without danger from his wound and they were determined to make this move although the communication through jacamar wood was very difficult they had no news from neb but were not uneasy on that account the courageous negro well entrenched in the depths of granite house would not allow himself to be surprised top had not been sent again to him as it appeared useless to expose the faithful dog to some shot which might deprive the settlers of their most useful auxiliary they waited therefore although they were anxious to be reunited at granite house it pained the engineer to see his forces divided for it gave great advantage to the pirates since ayrton's disappearance they were only four against five for herbert could not yet be counted and this was not the least care of the brave boy who well understood the trouble of which he was the cause the question of knowing how in their condition they were to act against the pirates was thoroughly discussed on the twenty ninth of November by Cyrus Harding, Gideon Spilett, and Pencroft at a moment when Herbert was asleep and could not hear them. My friends said the reporter, after they had talked of Neb and of the impossibility of communicating with him, I think." "'like you, that to venture on the road to the corral "'would be to risk receiving a gunshot "'without being able to return it. "'But do you not think that the best thing to be done now "'is to openly give chase to these wretches?' "'That is just what I was thinking,' answered Pencroft. "'I believe we are not fellows to be afraid of a bullet, "'and as for me, if Captain Harding approves, "'I am ready to dash into the forest. "'Why, hang it, one man is equal to another.' but is he equal to five? asked the engineer. I will join Pencroft, said the reporter, and both of us, well armed and accompanied by Top. My dear Spilett, and you, Pencroft, answered Harding, let us reason coolly. If the convicts were hid in one spot of the island, if we knew that spot, and had only to dislodge them, I would undertake a direct attack. But, Is there not occasion to fear, on the contrary, that they are sure to fire the first shot? "'Well, Captain,' cried Pencroft, "'a bullet does not always reach its mark.' "'That which struck Herbert did not miss, Pencroft,' replied the engineer. "'Besides, observe that if both of you left the corral, I should remain here alone to defend it. Do you imagine that the convicts will not see you leave it, that they will not allow you to enter the forest?' AND THAT THEY WILL NOT ATTACK IT DURING YOUR ABSENCE, KNOWING THAT THERE IS NO ONE HERE BUT A WOUNDED BOY AND A MAN. YOU ARE RIGHT, CAPTAIN, REPLIED PENCROFT, HIS CHEST SWELLING WITH SULLEN ANGER. YOU ARE RIGHT. THEY WILL DO ALL THEY CAN TO RETAKE THE CORRAL WHICH THEY KNOW TO BE WELL STORED, AND ALONE YOU COULD NOT HOLD IT AGAINST THEM. OH, IF WE WERE ONLY AT GRANITE HOUSE. If we were at Granite House, answered the engineer, the case would be very different. There, I should not be afraid to leave Herbert with one, while the other three went to search the forests of the island. But we are at the corral, and it is best to stay here until we can leave it together. Cyrus Harding's reasoning was unanswerable, and his companions understood it well. If only Ayrton was still one of us, said Gideon Spilett poor fellow, his return to social life will have been but of short duration. If he is dead, added Pencroft in a peculiar tone. Do you hope, then, Pencroft, that the villains have spared him? asked Gideon Spilett. Yes, if they had any interest in doing so. What? You suppose that Ayrton, finding his old companions, forgetting all that he owes us? Who knows, answered the sailor who did not hazard this shameful supposition without hesitating? Pencroft, said Harding, taking the sailor's arm, that is a wicked idea of yours, and you will distress me much if you persist in speaking thus. I will answer for Ayrton's fidelity, and I also, added the reporter quickly. Yes, yes, Captain, I was wrong, replied Pencroft, "'It was a wicked idea indeed that I had, and nothing justifies it. "'But what can I do? I am not in my senses. "'This imprisonment in the corral wearies me horribly, "'and I have never felt so excited as I do now. "'Be patient, Pencroft,' replied the engineer. "'How long will it be, my dear Spilett, "'before you think Herbert may be carried to Granite House?' "'That is difficult to say, Cyrus,' answered the reporter, for any imprudence might involve terrible consequences. But his convalescence is progressing, and if he continues to gain strength in eight days from now, well, we shall see. Eight days. That would put off the return to Granite House until the first days of December, and at this time two months of spring had already passed. The weather was fine and the heat began to be great. The forests of the island were in full leaf. And the time was approaching when the usual crops ought to be gathered. The return to the plateau of Prospect Heights would, therefore, be followed by extensive agricultural labors, interrupted only by the projected expedition through the island. It can, therefore, be well understood how injurious this seclusion in the corral must have been to the colonists. But if they were compelled to bow before necessity, They did not do so without impatience. Once or twice the reporter ventured out into the road and made the tour of the palisade. Top accompanied him, and Gideon Spilett, his gun cocked was ready for any emergency. He met with no misadventure and found no suspicious traces. His dog would have warned him of any danger, and, as Top did not bark, it might be concluded that there was nothing to fear, at the moment at least, and that the convicts were occupied in another part of the island. However, on his second sortie on the 27th of November, Gideon Spilett, who had ventured a quarter of a mile into the woods toward the south of the mountain, remarked that Top scented something. The dog had no longer his unconcerned manner. He went backwards and forwards, ferreting among the grass and bushes, as if his smell had revealed some suspicious object to him. Gideon Spilett followed Top, encouraged him, excited him by his voice, while keeping a sharp lookout, his gun ready to fire, and sheltering himself behind the trees. It was not probable that Top scented the presence of man, for in that case he would have announced it by half-uttered, sullen, angry barks. Now, as he did not growl, it was because danger was neither near nor approaching. Nearly five minutes passed thus, Top rummaging, the reporter following him prudently, when all at once the dog rushed toward a thick bush and drew out a rag. It was a piece of cloth, stained and torn, which Spilett immediately brought back to the corral. There it was examined by the colonists who found that it was a fragment of Ayrton's waistcoat, a piece of that felt, manufactured solely by the granite house factory. "'You see, Pencroft,' observed Harding, "'there has been resistance on the part of the unfortunate Ayrton. "'The convicts have dragged him away in spite of himself. "'Do you still doubt his honesty?' "'No, Captain,' answered the sailor, "'and I repented of my suspicion a long time ago.' but it seems to me that something may be learned from the incident. What is that? asked the reporter. It is that Ayrton was not killed at the corral. They dragged him away, living, since he has resisted. Therefore, perhaps he is still living. Perhaps, indeed, replied the engineer, who remained thoughtful. This was a hope to which Ayrton's companions could still hold. Indeed, they had before believed that, Surprised in the corral, Ayrton had fallen by a bullet, as Herbert had fallen. But, if the convicts had not killed him at first, if they had brought him living to another part of the island, might it not be admitted that he was still their prisoner? Perhaps even one of them had found in Ayrton his old Australian companion, Ben Joyce, the chief of the escaped convicts. And who knows, but that they had conceived the impossible hope of bringing back Ayrton to themselves. He would have been very useful to them, if they had been able to make him turn traitor. This incident was, therefore, favorably interpreted at the corral, and it no longer appeared impossible that they should find Ayrton again. On his side, if he was only a prisoner, Ayrton would no doubt do all he could to escape from the hands of the villains, and this would be a powerful aid to the settlers. At any rate, observed Gideon Spilett, if, happily, Ayrton did manage to escape, he would go directly to Granite House, for he could not know of the attempted assassination of which Herbert has been a victim, and, consequently, would never think of our being imprisoned in the corral oh i wish that he was there at granite house cried pencroft and that we were there too for although the rascals can do nothing to our house they may plunder the plateau our plantations our poultry yard pencroft had become a thorough farmer heartily attached to his crop but it must be said that herbert was more anxious than any to return to granite house for he knew how much the presence of the settlers was needed there and it was he who was keeping them at the corral therefore one idea occupied his mind to leave the corral and when he believed he could bear removal to Granite House. He was sure his strength would return more quickly in his room with the air and the sight of the sea. Several times he pressed Gideon Spilett, but the latter, fearing with good reason that Herbert's wounds half healed might reopen on the way, did not give the order to start, however. Something occurred which compelled Cyrus Harding and his two friends to yield to the lad's wish, and God alone knew that this determination might cause them grief and remorse. It was the 29th of November, seven o'clock in the evening. The three settlers were talking in Herbert's room when they heard top utter quick barks harding pencroft and spilett seized their guns and ran out of the house top at the foot of the palisade was jumping barking but it was with pleasure not anger someone is coming yes it is not an enemy neb perhaps or ayrton these words had hardly been exchanged between the engineer and his two companions when a body leaped over the palisade and fell on the ground inside the corral it was jup master jup in person to whom top immediately gave a most cordial reception jup exclaimed pencroft neb has sent him to us said the reporter then replied the engineer he must have some note on him pencroft rushed up to the orang certainly if ned had any important matter to communicate to his master he could not employ a more sure or more rapid messenger, who could pass where neither the colonists could nor even top himself. Cyrus Harding was not mistaken. At Jop's neck hung a small bag, and in this bag was found a little note traced by Neb's hand. The despair of Harding and his companions may be imagined when they read these words. Friday, six o'clock in the morning plateau invaded by convicts neb they gazed at each other without uttering a word then they re-entered the house what were they to do the convicts on prospect heights that was disaster devastation ruin herbert on seeing the engineer the reporter and pencroft re-enter guessed that their situation was aggravated, and when he saw Jup, he no longer doubted that some misfortune menaced Granite House. Captain Harding, said he, I must go. I can bear the journey. I must go. Gideon Spilett approached Herbert, then, having looked at him, let us go then, said he, the question was quickly decided whether Herbert should be carried on a litter, or in the cart which had brought Ayrton to the corral. The motion of the litter would have been more easy for the wounded lad, but it would have necessitated two bearers. That is to say, there would have been two guns less for defense, if an attack was made on the road. Would they not, on the contrary, by employing the cart, leave every arm free? Was it impossible to place the mattress on which Herbert was laying in it, and to advance with so much care that any jolt should be avoided. It could be done. The cart was brought. Pencroft harnessed the onager. Cyrus Harding and the reporter raised Herbert's mattress and placed it on the bottom of the cart. The weather was fine. The sun's bright rays glanced through the trees. Are the guns ready? asked Cyrus Harding. They were the engineer and Pencroft, each armed with a double-barreled gun, and Gideon Spilett carrying his rifle, had nothing to do but start. "'Are you comfortable, Herbert?' asked the engineer. "'Ah, Captain,' said the lad, "'don't be uneasy. I shall not die on the road. While speaking thus, it could be seen that the poor boy had called up all his energy "'and by the energy of a powerful will "'had collected his failing strength. "'The engineer felt his heart sink painfully. "'He still hesitated to give the signal for departure, "'but that would have driven Herbert to despair, "'killed him, perhaps. "'Forward,' said Harding. "'The gate of the corral was opened. "'Jup and Top, who knew when to be silent, "'ran in advance.' the cart came out, the gate was reclosed, and the onager, led by Pencroft, advanced at a slow pace. Certainly, it would have been safer to have taken a different road than that which led straight from the corral to Granite House, but the cart would have met with great difficulties in moving under the trees. It was necessary, therefore, to follow this way, although it was well known to the convicts. Cyrus Harding and Gideon Spilett walked, one on each side of the cart, ready to answer any attack. However, it was not probable that the convicts would have yet left the plateau of Prospect Heights. Neb's note had evidently been written and sent as soon as the convicts had shown themselves there. Now this note was dated six o'clock in the morning, and the active orang, accustomed to come frequently to the corral, had taken scarcely three-quarters of an hour to cross the five miles which separated it from Granite House. They would, therefore, be safe at that time, and if there was any occasion for firing, it would probably not be until they were in the neighborhood of Granite House. However, the colonists kept a strict watch. Top and Jup, the latter armed with his club, sometimes in front, sometimes beating the wood at the sides of the road, signalized no danger. The cart advanced slowly under Pencroft's guidance. It had left the corral at half-past seven, an hour after four out of the five miles had been cleared without any incident having occurred. The road was as deserted as all that part of the Jackamar Wood, which lay between the Mercy and the lake. There was no occasion for any warning, The wood appeared as deserted as on the day when the colonists first landed on the island. They approached the plateau, another mile, and they would see the bridge over Creek Glycerin. Cyrus Harding expected to find it in its place, supposing that the convicts would have crossed it, and that, after having passed one of the streams which enclosed the plateau, they would have taken the precaution to lower it again, so as to keep open a retreat. At length, an opening in the trees allowed the sea horizon to be seen, but the cart continued its progress, for not one of the defenders thought of abandoning it. At that moment, Pencroft stopped the onager, and, in a hoarse voice, Oh, the villains! he exclaimed, and he pointed to a thick smoke rising from the mill, the sheds, and the buildings at the poultry yard a man was moving about in the midst of the smoke. It was Neb. His companions uttered a shout. He heard and ran to meet them. The convicts had left the plateau nearly half an hour before, having devastated it. And Mr. Herbert, asked Neb. Gideon Spilett returned to the cart. Herbert had lost consciousness. End of chapter nine, recording by Jim D.